Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm sharing the audio portion of this week's episode of Ask Dr. Susan Live. And this week we're taking calls about hormone replacement, what are the best hormone levels, and then other questions about how to treat vaginal dryness and pain with intercourse when you can't take estrogen. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Dr. Susan Live. I'm Dr. Susan, and this is a show where you can call in and ask me a question about anything to do with midlife, menopause, hormone replacement, midlife sexuality, all those things that I do. You can check me out on drsusan.com. And if you have a question that you'd like to submit, you can go to drsusan.com slash ask. That's drsusan, D-R-S-U-S-A-N dot com slash ask. And we will review your questions. And if you've got a great question, we're going to have you call in and ask it here live. So we have uh, some great questions today. Our first question is from... Betty. Hi, Betty. Do we have you on the phone? Hi, Dr. Susan. So tell me, what's your question today for us, Dr. Susan Live? Well, it, my question was a three-part. It was, I think it was a three-part, two-part question. And the question basically stated um, that when I was 12 years old and I started my, my menstruation, I never had a regular menstruation. So I would... Uh, bleed, maybe uh, I would start a period and it would last for three months, very heavy. And then it would stop for two, three, four, five, six months at a time. And then Mm -hmm. it would come back and it would be very heavy. So I I guess the question that I had in the way I phrased it was, was I always in perimenopause? Since hmm. I was 12 years old. <laughs> so that's a just good question about definitions, right? Because it's so confusing. We use all these terms like perimenopause or premenopause or postmenopause, and it's hard to know what those mean. So at the time you were describing when you were young and you were having very irregular periods, for a, whatever reason, and I, I don't know what that reason was, you were not ovulating regularly. So when we release an egg regularly, if it was a perfect world, we'd do that every 28 days and you'd have a period every 28 days. But when women don't ovulate or don't release eggs, and there's so many reasons for that. I'm not sure. Did your doctor ever diagnose you with a problem like a thyroid disorder or a hormonal imbalance of some kind? No, they never. That, that was that was actually my concern that they never diagnosed me. And I always mm-hmm. went in and explained to them how I was feeling and the feeling, you know, where I was very fatigued, always tired. Yeah, I bet. You're bleeding all the time. Yes, never feeling good. And the first thing they would say is, well, maybe you need antidepressants. And I would say, no, oh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't feel that way. Right. I mean, oh, my goodness. I, I felt like if I was on antidepressants, I'd have a feeling of, you know, like really not wanting to do anything. But I did everything normally. I was just very tired all the time. When I turned 39... I got pregnant for the last time by accident because I didn't have regular menstrual cycles. Right. I'm surprised and, you could get pregnant at all. So you're lucky. And at that point, I insisted on the doctor, please, doctor, can I have my tubes tied? After having my tubes tied, I became very regular. Exactly between the 28th and 30th day, I would have a period for the last 10, 12 years. My daughter just turned 12. I just recently started to skip periods now, but now I am 52. 
Right. So you, you've just sort of described the whole life cycle of our menstrual cycle. It's amazing how these different things can happen. So in the beginning, when you were having periods that were every few months or sporadic and then really heavy when they did come, that sounds like you were not ovulating because when we don't release eggs, there's no trigger to have a regular cycle. And then we finally do have a cycle. There's been so much lining buildup in the uterus that it's really heavy. And so you're probably tired because you were low on iron, I'm guessing. So that's a pretty typical story. And patients with that pattern, well, of course, they feel terrible. And secondly, they often can't get pregnant because they're not releasing eggs regularly. So, of course, at some point you released eggs and got pregnant, thank goodness. Now, why they went back to regular, that's just mysterious. Um, it actually has nothing to do with having your tubes tied because, you know, the tubes are just simply a conduit for the egg and sperm to meet in. They don't affect our hormones whatsoever. So that was a miracle. We'll just take it as a miracle. But during the time that you were having cycles regularly, you were releasing eggs every month. And that's what causes us to have a regular cycle. Now, as we know, when you're around 50, we stop having periods. We stop releasing eggs. And that's what we call menopause. So these different definitions, what I would say the first part of your cycle, we would call that um, either an anovulatory cycle, meaning you weren't ovulating, or oligoovulatory, meaning not ovulating very much. There's all these fancy words for it, but you know, rest assured you some hormone imbalance was going on that was causing that to happen. Then you went back to having regular cycles. And then perimenopause is just the time between when your hormones were normal, which granted for you, they weren't very much, but for those last few years after your uh, last child was born, up until now when you say you're skipping periods. So once again, now your ovaries are not functioning perfectly. You're not releasing an egg every month. And pretty soon you'll stop producing hormones altogether from your ovaries. And that's what we call menopause when that actually finishes. Some people call it being postmenopausal, but you know, menopause is the time when we stop having periods. There's different definitions. Some people say when you haven't had a period for a year, that's called menopause or when labs show that you have no production of those hormones anymore. But I would say you're in perimenopause now. So it's just that time before you're done having cycles, but your cycles are not what they used to be in your, if we measured your hormone levels, they would definitely show that those three ovarian hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, are dropping. Eventually, they'll be zero. Um, so how are you feeling right now? Do you have those common symptoms that we have along with menopause coming? I, I do. I am starting to get um, hot flashes, anxiety, which I didn't have anxiety before, even when I wasn't ovulating normally when I first started so I didn't have that feeling so I know it's a new feeling because it feels very different yes and um and and then I'm now again back to you know constantly being tired again yeah you know those are some of the most common symptoms that I hear all day I mean it's interesting because each of the three hormones have different effects for our body so when we lose estrogen, the most common thing we experience is those weird temperature changes, hot flashes, sometimes sweating at night. I would wake up soaking wet like I'd been in the shower, which is you know, profuse sweating. Um, turning, I would turn bright red in the middle of the day. My head would start prickling. I'd have drips of sweat running down my face. It's horrible, isn't it? So that one's from yeah. low estrogen. Other things from estrogen being low, uh, we can develop vaginal dryness. I'm not sure if that's something you've experienced and it can lead to pain with intercourse. That's awful. Hopefully that's not happening. Yes. Or, um, no, it, no, I have experienced 
that also. Yeah. Well, so like, thank goodness we can replace those hormones and make that go away because that's really a deal breaker for, for sex life, isn't it, if something's going to hurt? So estrogen's good for those things. Um, you mentioned anxiety, and many women, as our progesterone drops, we experience mood changes. So you know, anxiety is really common. Or um, I had just a little bit of a um, loose temper, like the you know the things you normally would think in your mind and not say out loud, they would just come out my mouth. <laughs> you know, I'd find myself snapping at somebody, or um, you know, I'd yell at my kids, or something that was really not in character. Uh, so it can be kind of alarming when we start behaving like that. And also sleep loss. Have you had that at all? Insomnia is really common. I don't have insomnia, but I have very light sleep mode. So I wake up very easily. Yeah. We don't get into that really deep restorative sleep. And then we can feel no. really tired. Like you said, we can just get exhausted. So those are really common symptoms of perimenopause and then you know they carry on for a while now they do go away if we're not treated eventually they go away but it can last for years so um so you probably know I'm a proponent of hormone replacement I take it myself because I don't believe we should have to suffer for years waiting for that to go away not to mention there are a lot of uh, detrimental health side effects from uh, being low on estrogen like developing osteoporosis Alzheimer's disease heart disease so um, have you thought about taking hormone replacement for these symptoms? I have been looking into it. I haven't actually decided exactly what it is that I want to take, but I know that I don't like the way I feel because it's taking me back to, you know, when I first started, like just feelings like that, you know, just constantly tired, fatigued, just not feeling good. Right. And, you know, you don't have to feel that way. So I'm I'm so glad that you brought this up because, you know, we were taught, I think, that it's just part of life, right? There's a lot of conditioning in our culture, and even our doctors tell us this. Um, oh, well, you know, this is just menopause, and it's just normal. It's a normal part of life, so you just kind of learn to live with it. Or it's sort of very dismissive, I think. But, in fact, we don't have to feel bad. I mean, I, I would uh, challenge any doctor that tells you that this is just normal and just put up with it because you can – you can feel great, and you deserve to feel great. You know, you and I might live another 50 years. We don't want to be feeling crummy. I don't want to be <laughs> feeling crummy. I don't want you to either. So, you know, no. definitely check into that and see, because all those symptoms could go away, and you could feel great, and that would be wonderful. Yes. I have been looking into uh, trying that new the palette. Yes, that's what I have in my body. I love it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I was not too sure about, you know, like I said, what it is exactly that I want to try, but I do want to, I do want it to be hormone replacement. Yes. That I know. Well, I, I think that's a really great option. Um, there's, you know, several options uh, that are safe for hormone replacement, but um, my favorite are hormone pellets. That's what I use personally and what I use mostly in our practice. So the hormone pellets can contain estrogen, which is going to help with hot flashes, vaginal dryness, skin dryness, night sweats, all of those things. It also protects your bones, uh, prevents osteoporosis, Alzheimer's disease, colon cancer. It's good for the heart. 
And then you can also put some testosterone in there too, just a low dose. You know, we don't want you to have masculine features or anything, but I have testosterone in my system. And that helps with sex drive, muscle conservation, energy. It helps with sleep. Um, And then also taking progesterone can be something to consider as well for mood. So all of those things I, I take them myself, I would absolutely do it. You'll feel great. So now when you're talking about testosterone and progesterone, is that something that I would take separately aside from the pellet? Or well, is that actually, you can put pellet? testosterone in the same pellet. So pellets are estrogen and testosterone or one or the other. So there are separate pellets. There's an estrogen pellet and a testosterone pellet, but we put them in together in a patient who needs both. Or some patients have oh, one okay. or the other, but most patients have both. Um, so oh. you just put them in the pellet and they last for about three and a half months. So you don't have to take a medicine every day. You don't have to worry about keeping up with a cream. It's so easy. That's my favorite thing about it. I can't leave it at home when I go on vacation. Um, there's no user error. It's so easy. The progesterone you oh. take by mouth cause it makes you sleepy, which is great if you don't sleep well. So you take it at night. Um, and that's just a prescription you can get from any pharmacy. It is prescribed but your local Walgreens or your favorite pharmacy would have that. Um, so all three have different benefits. And you'd be, um, you'll have to call back and let me know how you feel if you start on that, because I think you'll feel 100 times better. I certainly did when I started on it. Yes, I will. Yes, I, I really am moving towards that area. <laughs> you know, and I, I always like to worst-case scenario things. The worst case scenario, if you try it and you don't feel as great as I'm telling you, you know, you just don't have to keep doing it. But uh, very few people actually don't keep doing it. And I'll practice more than 95% of patients come back to keep getting pellets because they feel great. Um, uh, You know, I certainly don't want mine to wear off because I don't want to go back to feeling tired and all those things again. So, you know, but you're not committed to it. So uh, if it's something that you want to try, it's absolutely safe to try it. You're not committed. You're not married to it. Probably you will want to keep doing it, but I don't. I think sometimes um, we think of it as a lifetime commitment, and it isn't. You can always start hormones and then stop them if, for some reason, you wanted to do that. So I would just give it a try, but nothing to lose and a whole lot to gain. Yes. So does that does that answer? So Perry, a lot of a lot of good information there. Not ovulating, what ovulation looks like, perimenopause, kind of where you are now, and then you're you know you're heading into you know really being postmenopausal when your ovaries are not making any hormones at all. And that'll be pretty soon here. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your question. That is a lot of great information to share with everyone. I think it's really generous when people ask questions because, you know, thousands of other people want to know this information too. So thank you so much for sharing your question. And if you have another question, you can go to drsusan.com slash ask. Thank you, Dr. Susan. Thank you for all the information that you put out there. It's very helpful. I listen to your show all the time, and I really enjoy it. Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, call back when you've tried this. We want to hear how you feel. I can't wait to hear the other side of the story. Thank you. I will. Thank you, Dr. Susan. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Well, that was like a whole gynecology lesson right there. I think we learned all about all kinds of things. So um, this is why it's so great to ask questions because – Everybody wants to know this stuff. So if you have a question, you know how to submit it. Uh, Chances are lots of other people want to know what you want to know as well. So we have another great question uh, from Claudia. Hi, Claudia. 
Hi, how are you? I'm great. It's great to have you here on the show. Uh, so what is your question for me today? Okay, well, I saw you about four years ago after having a partial hysterectomy. Um, I had a serious stroke from fibromuscular dysplasia. Oh, miserable. What I'm wanting to know is now that I'm in menopause and I can't take HRTs, what can I do to make sure that I don't get dry down there? Oh, I'm so sorry that you've been through that, uh, first of all. That's such a horrible disease. Um, so yeah. as you know, and I'll, I'll just explain to other people, um, you know, when you have a stroke and how are you doing by the way, after all of that? Um, I'm on disability now. Hmm. So that's tough. Yeah, that does sound tough. And the last thing you need is vaginal dryness just to take away the one element of joy that you could have in your life with some intimacy. Right. So we've got to fix that. Uh, so right. there's a small, you know, I'm a huge proponent of hormone replacement, as you know, but there's a small group of women who uh, can't, cannot safely take hormone replacement, uh, patients who have active breast cancer and patients who've had a stroke related to blood clotting. Um, now, there's a little caveat to that, actually, which is that the way uh, estradiol is given now, it has actually been shown not to increase the risk of blood clot, heart disease, or stroke which is new okay. information. However, 99.9% okay. .9 of doctors are, are going to hesitate to give estrogen to someone who's had a stroke just because the old information that we were taught for years was that estrogen was related to blood clotting, stroke, heart disease. And that was because of it uh, being given by mouth. So when estrogen is given by mouth, it does actually cause an increase in those things, like birth control pills, for example, or any other oral uh, hormone replacement therapy. Uh, estradiol that's not given by mouth has actually been shown in some very uh, compelling big studies not to increase the risk of stroke. So, so that's just a little something I'll put in the, in the back of your mind, that it might actually be possible now with the way we're giving hormones to safely take a hormone replacement. Uh, you know, for sure you could use estrogen in the vagina because, uh, you know, vaginal dryness is caused by lack of estrogen. Um, so it's completely curable by replacing estrogen locally in the vagina. Now, you wouldn't get the benefits throughout your whole system that some women do, like getting rid of hot flashes, night sweats, the things we were talking to the previous caller about. But it would get rid of vaginal dryness. So even women who've had a blood clotting episode or stroke, a heart attack, can use estrogen locally in the vagina in the form of a cream. Um, there's a little dissolving tablet. Uh, there's also a um, thing called estering, which is an estrogen-containing ring that you put in the vagina. So some way or another, getting some estrogen in the vagina, and that would be safe for you or for other women who cannot take uh, oral estrogen. I don't prescribe oral estrogen anyway just because it's bad for the liver. So you could definitely do that. Um, and I, I've told this story before, um, so forgive me if uh, listeners have already heard it, but when you... When people have biopsied the vaginal tissue of young women who are making estrogen, the cells are like round and puffy. I call them jelly donuts. They're like just, they look delicious. They're gooey and soft. They've got jelly in the middle. And then when we haven't had any estrogen for a while, it looks like the jelly donut got run over. It's like flat. It's got, it's thin. It does, you know, when you stretch it, it, instead of stretching, it breaks. So sex becomes painful. Does that? sound like where you are now? Yes. 
yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It's like a, yeah. having sex with sandpaper instead of a jelly donut. No one wants to do that. But the amazing thing is when you take those really flat cells and add estrogen back into them, they actually turn back into jelly donuts. They literally look younger. So uh, a woman who's using vaginal estrogen, you can you cannot tell those cells from a younger woman. It actually makes them look like a younger woman's tissue. It's incredible. So, so that can be reversed. Um, another thing um, that women can do other than using topical estrogen is uh, laser. So a lot of people have heard me talking about uh, vaginal laser. Um, it, it really is amazing. It was designed for breast cancer patients. Uh, because, of course, breast cancer patients, most most of them are not able to take estrogen since most breast cancers are sensitive to estrogen. So uh, it was designed as a way to help women with breast cancer have some solution to vaginal dryness so that they did not have to put up with a lifetime of having painful sex or not even being able to tolerate sex at all. Uh, so uh, we do this in my office. We have a product called Juliet, which is made by Qtera. It's one of the big laser companies. But there's others like uh, Diva and uh, some other brand names that you'll hear. But they all uh, perform a similar function. There's a little probe that's put inside the vagina. It's about the size of a small speculum, like when you go to the gynecologist. And uh, the laser punches tiny little holes in the vaginal tissue all, all the way around in a circle. Um, all the way through the length of the vagina, a couple of passes. And what happens with that is that, that uh, controlled injury stimulates your body to come in with its own growth factors and stem cells to create new, healthier tissue. And it really is amazing. Like Even after one single treatment, patients I've had patients come in the office in tears telling me that they were able to have sex without pain for the first time in 10 years. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. So doing it three times in a row, which is what we recommend, uh, you can get great moisture that lasts for up to a year without even taking any hormones. So um, in your particular case, you definitely could take some estrogen locally, like a cream, for example, or one of the other products. And uh, if you wanted to give it a little boost to go even faster, doing the vaginal laser will do that. Um, Honestly, the estrogen by itself would eventually work, but it can take a few months. It's, it's a little bit of a slow process, but it does build those cells back over time. Lasers for people like me who are impatient. It works fast. Like within a month, you feel better. It's really not painful. It's done uh, just with topical local anesthetic cream. You can drive yourself to the office and back. It's not anything that has any type of recovery. Uh, so either one or both of those would be great options for you. And then... You know, in the back of your mind, we could, we could also talk about this new data about how you could take, you actually could take hormone replacement now if it's given in the right way without increasing your risk of, of having another stroke, because obviously that's uh, unacceptable to increase that risk at all. So right. it's uh, never okay, in my opinion, to have vaginal dryness and pain within a course. Like for any woman, I don't mind the age or if you've had cancer or if you've had a stroke. Sometimes doctors will say, well, you know, you're lucky to be alive, so maybe you have to put up with this. I, I just don't believe that's true. I think it's so important uh, to be able to keep a healthy, intimate life. We need to make sure that we're still offering these options to all patients, like like yourself and breast cancer patients, because that's miserable, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, we're really doing a disservice if we tell patients that, certain groups of patients that they cannot take 
any hormones or have any treatment whatsoever because that's really never true. There's always something we can do. You know, maybe maybe somebody can't take everything that's out there, but there's always something. So um, don't give up. Uh, go find. Well, you can come see me if you're still in Houston. Are you still in Houston? Yes, I'm still in Houston. All right. Well, come come on over and visit. Um, and and I would, you know, make all of those things open. Offer all of those things to you, and all of them would be safe. You know, we never do anything that isn't safe. Everything's evidence based medicine. Um, and that would be really safe for you. And within just a few months, you could have that dryness completely gone and start enjoying your intimate life again. Okay. Thank you. Oh, well, thanks for sharing that because a lot of patients think that they can't take hormones because they've been told that by their doctors. And sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. So we just need to dig into it a little bit more. And, um, you know, I appreciate that you advocate for yourself and don't take no for an answer. You know, sometimes you've got to just dig deeper. So let's get that fixed for you. That's important. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for your question. If you have another question, you know how to find us, uh, drsusan.com slash ask. Okay. You have a great I day. It's good. It. It's good to hear from you again. You too. Thank you. So that was a great example of how Frequently, patients are told that they should not or cannot take hormones when often it's not true. I think it's interesting that a lot of doctors say you can't take hormones, like the whole gamut, like it's all one thing, when actually in that caller's case, it was just a question of whether or not she could take estrogen. So this is frequently the case. Maybe there's one hormone that you shouldn't take, but there's others that you can. So really great to just dig into that some more. So we have one final call that we have time for today from Michaela. Let's see if we have Michaela on the phone. Hi, Michaela. Hi, Dr. Susan. Uh, I thank you for um, having me on your show today. I do have a question for you. Great. Um, uh, thank you for submitting your question. Awesome. I have been on bioidentical hormones for about five years now, and my uh, gynecologist put me on them so that way I can protect my bones, my brain, uh, my heart, you know, of course, with the side effects of sleeping better, less fatigue, night sweats will go away. And of course, you know, the lovely brain fog. Um, All those good things. For a while. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, it worked for a while, but lately I've had several, you know, here recently I've had some several labs that uh, my estradiol has been reading less than zero. Your, um, my hang, hang on a second. Your your labs show your estradiol was zero. Uh huh. It was less hmm. than zero. And mm -hmm. this is when you're you're actually taking your medication as prescribed. That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Um, my gynecologist upped my formula of bioidentical estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, uh, which I was recently tested for, and my estradiol serum is now sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, but my okay. 16. My gynecologist told me um, that she prescribes for symptoms and not lab numbers and is reluctant to up my formula. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I've never really had hot flashes, but fatigue, lack of sleep, brain fog, uh, vaginal atrophy, those are so real for me. Hmm. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So definitely those are, it, so we don't always have all of the symptoms. So you're lucky you're not having hot flashes, but the vaginal dryness is like our previous caller. That's definitely a low estrogen symptom. And of course, fatigue and all the other symptoms that you're mentioning. So you're doing a combination cream with all three of those together. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is I know these numbers don't uh, may not mean much to uh, to us if we're listening, but just to put it in perspective, I mean, obviously, when your estrogen was zero, and assuming that you're using the cream, mm-hmm. you weren't getting it in your system. And, and I've seen this before, and not to blame anybody for it, but you are not getting any estrogen in your system, even though you're putting a cream on. And that can be for various reasons. Uh, One is that you're just not absorbing it. Um, Another one is that, you know, sometimes compounding pharmacies have some variation, to put it nicely, in in what they're uh, putting out. I mean, compounding is great. Um, I have great compounding pharmacies here in Houston that we love. But we do see some variation in, in the blood levels that we see patients achieve. At zero, let's just say, you weren't getting any. But I'm glad they increased mm-hmm. your dose. Um, an estradiol of 16 is still very, very low. Um, it's certainly low enough to still have symptoms like hot flashes, if, if you were one to have them, um, vaginal dryness that you mentioned, tiredness, dry skin, all of those things. So when we're using estrogen um, to relieve those symptoms, we really want it at least at 40 or 50. And just to put that number in perspective, when you were younger, so you're in your 50s? Yes, um, I'm 51 now. Right. Okay. So when you were, you know, 20, 30, and you were having regular cycles, uh, we would see estrogen levels ranging from about, say, you know, maybe 100 or so when you're on your period, it's lower. And then it would go up to maybe 300, 350 around ovulation. So, you know, much higher numbers. So yours is 16, which is pretty pretty darn low. And what we find is when it gets under, you know, 40 or 50, that's when those symptoms kick in. So I do appreciate your doctor's idea that those are saying that I like that we should treat the patient, not the paper uh, regarding labs. That being said, and that I, that is true in, in, in respect to if a patient has a complaint, you know, we want to address that complaint no matter what the lab says. But the flip side of that is that there is actually an optimal level of estrogen that we need to get to in order to make our symptoms go away and also to uh, help with those other things that you were wanting, like osteoporosis prevention, protecting your brain from Alzheimer's disease, all of that stuff. We're not going to get that with an estradiol level of 16. So it needs to go up more. Um, and so I'm, yeah. I do um, labs on my patients on hormones. Um, you know, there was an old school of thought, and I used to do this, where, you know, if a patient felt great, we would just assume the level was fine. And that's, you know, generally true because on the in your case, you're telling your doctor you're not feeling great. You're still having vaginal dryness and some other symptoms. So clearly your levels need to be addressed. But what I would like to see is that your estradiol level gets up at least over 40 or 50. And when you see that uh, number, most importantly, you'll see the vaginal dryness getting better, some of your other symptoms getting better. And then in the background, your bones are being protected. You're being uh, protected from osteoporosis, as I mentioned, Alzheimer's disease, colon cancer, heart health, all of those things. So I figure if you're going to take it, and this stuff's expensive, right? I mean, you, right. you know, if you're going to bother taking it, um, you might as well take a dose that works. Because right now, uh, frankly, you're taking a dose that's not working. And it's time-consuming putting that cream on a couple times a day. So you, you know, going to a lot of effort, and it's not working. So you need to go up on the dose. Now, you know, what do you do when your doctor doesn't want to do what you want to do? Well, 
sometimes you have to find another doctor and, um, you know, find somebody My who... My thoughts exactly. My yeah. Exactly. You know, and I, it doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. Um, a lot of doctors have, you know, limited education about hormones. I knew nothing about hormones until I was in my mid-40s. And we were not trained about this at all in gynecologic residency. So, you know, this, most doctors are not going to know uh, a lot about this. And it's, um, I think it's it's really sad. And I'm so glad that you advocated for yourself to even ask this question, because a lot of us just believe what our doctors tell us, right? We we grew up mm-hmm. being polite and your mom teaches you whatever the doctor or the priest says. You just believe them. You don't question. So if, if you hadn't um, questioned, then you would be stuck in the state of having estrogen depletion, vaginal dryness, risk of all those diseases that we've talked about. So you just need to up it a bit. And, uh, you know, the nice thing about compounded hormones is you can make any dose you want to. Uh, the cream you're using can be just reformulated to have I would probably triple the amount of estrogen in it. I mean, it needs to go up a lot. And, you know, it's easy to do. The compounding pharmacist can do it. They just need a, a doctor to write their prescription. So. Oh, very good. Very good. Yes. I mean, that, that's definitely my goal is to get rid of the fatigue and lack of sleep and especially yeah. the, you know, the brain fog and, um, you know, the vaginal atrophy. That, that just. Um, oh, it's miserable. Gosh, it just. Yes. <laughs> For lack of better term, of course. <laughs> right. Yes. And we actually, the previous caller was mentioning that too. And it's such a common thing. Um, you know, vaginal dryness leading to uh, pain within a course also can increase the risk of urinary tract infections. And um, it's called genitourinary syndrome now. That's the fancy name for vaginal atrophy because it affects the bladder so much. So, I mean, just really affects our quality of life. And, you know, I'm all about... Um, promoting healthy, intimate relationships. And no one's going to want to do something that hurts as a natural human reaction to withdraw from that. So, you know, our relationships start to change and our connection starts to wane and, you know, nobody's happy with that. So find another doctor, do some research in your area. Um, If you take this information to them, I'm confident that anybody would increase your levels. And you might just tell them, sometimes doctors don't mind patients who are really educated say, hey, I talked to uh, Dr. Susan. She said my estradiol should be, you know, 40 to 80, something like that. That's usually where we feel good. If it gets over 80 or 100, we start getting breast tenderness, water retention. We don't want that. That's too high. We don't need it that high. But just, you know, somewhere 50-ish is plus or minus usually is where we feel good. So I hope you, um, I hope you can get that feeling better. Uh, Once you've got that under control. We'd love to hear back from you and hear the story of how that worked. Yes, definitely. I will uh, call back in and I'll let you know. Well, thank you so much for the question. I know a lot of women are going to want to know about that too. What's the best level of estrogen and can I get it in a cream? My preference isn't creams to tell you the truth. Um, You know, I talk about hormone pellets a lot because they're just a lot easier to manage as far as the um, absorption is just unpredictable as you have experienced getting zero. I mean, What's up with that? You just weren't getting any. I don't know if there was even any in there. That's a, you know, it's a little, you know, it's a little scary (laughs) to think about. But with pellets, it's very easy to manage those levels. So that's just another option. But you can get there with cranes. You just have to find a really good compounding pharmacy and get the right dose. Get it, get it uh, written with the right dose for you. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Susan. You're welcome. Thank you, Michaela.
Well, we learned all about hormones today. Uh, so if you have some questions about menopause, hormone replacement, sexual function, anything to do with midlife, you can go to uh, submit a question, drsusan.com slash ask, and then we will review your questions and you can be on the next show of Ask Dr. Susan Live. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.